you do want to be strong going into birth. Like you do want to have physical conditioning when you go in because the longer you can maintain an upright position, the more pressure that baby applies to the cervix and the faster labor progress will be. So working out during pregnancy is associated with faster labor times, decreased complications, better birth outcomes. So there, there are tons of benefits to being strong going into your labor. Welcome back to Leg Tuck Nation. This one is a topic that's been requested quite a few times, but one that neither Drew nor I have any expertise on whatsoever. So we had to find a highly qualified guest, which I think we successfully did here. Drew, who are we talking to? We did We did find a highly qualified guest. We found Gina Conley. Uh, if you're familiar with Mama Stay Fit on, uh, on Instagram, or mamastayfit.com. The name Gina Connolly will be familiar to you. She has her master's in exercise science and is the founder and CEO of Mama Stay Fit. It is the industry-leading perinatal fitness provider uh, with a training facility located actually here in North Carolina, near Fort Bragg, or I guess Fort Liberty, depending on when you're listening to this. Uh, as we mentioned, she's a seasoned birth doula with nearly 200. She has not given birth 200 times. She supported nearly 200 births. That's a lot. Here in North Carolina. That's a lot. Her unique experience of exclusively trained perinatal fitness clients in person and online coupled with supporting births as a doula resulted in Mama Stay Fit, creating in-depth prenatal fitness programs which support clients recovering in, a, in postpartum to return to their desired sport or professional demands. And I can tell you guys from having looked through her resources, again, Alex and I, this is something that we do not have any experience in, not having given birth to ourselves, obviously, but a robust uh, resource for folks interested in that type of thing. Oh, and also not to mention, Gina is a seven-year Army veteran. She served a combat tour in Afghanistan in support of operations Enduring Freedom and Freedom Sentinel. And as always, there's there's more than we can necessarily cover in the episode. There's a ton of good insight here, but if you want to dig into more of Gina and Mama Stay Fit's content, if you want to go to them directly, uh, check it out in the show notes. You'll find links to social media, their website, all that kind of stuff if you want to follow up. And we should probably mention too, because I didn't know this, because I thought mama stay fit, like mama stay fit. It's mama stay like namaste, mama, S-T-E, fit. So if you're going to go look for mamastayfit.com, enjoy. Just to not embarrass myself, it's oh, pronounced diastasis, right? There, so there's debate. It's diastasis or diastasis, either way. Um, I say diastasis. Okay, because I've said it both ways before. I've said diastasis and been corrected, and I wasn't sure. I said diastasis. I've always said diastasis, but I think it's some folks say di- diastasis. Well, <laughs> yeah, um, the other way. <laughs> Can I? Well, okay, Alex. What a great launching off point. Thank you, <laughs> because I've I've promised a number of people I'd bring this up. And Gina, if you're not a subject matter expert in this, that's totally fine. But Tia Claire Toomey. She is competing. As far as I know, she's competing in the open and doing. She's, I don't think she's competitive this season. She's but she's doing everything now. like RX is like the goal. right? And this is not like, you know, shout out to you. I know she's a huge listener of Mobs and Mo's like Tia Claire Toomey, friend of the show. Uh, never heard of us. But what was interesting, and, and my wife pointed this out, is that she's crushing it on Instagram. And then if you go to the comments section, it's pretty divided on Hey, this is really inspirational. It's so cool to see somebody who's pregnant go through all these. And then the other side is pretty aggressively like, this is really messed up. You shouldn't be using your plot, you know, yada, 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 yada. 
So I'd just be interested in like your thoughts on that. So I guess most importantly, I don't care what anyone does with their bodies during their pregnancies. And so the the shaming that I've seen from other like fitness influencers and perinatal like trainers is a little unnecessary. Now for like the general person who is not being who is not a professional athlete where their livelihood depends on their physical performance, I would expect that they would decrease their intensity, decrease their workouts because the point of their workouts is to sustain a healthy and strong pregnancy in preparation for birth, to have an easier postpartum recovery. Now, for somebody whose job is fitness, um, it's a little bit harder to tell them to not do the things that they need to do to maintain their livelihood. Um, Now, I don't know what all of her other workouts look like outside of the open. Like the open has specific parameters. It's certain movements, certain amount of weight, certain number of reps that in order to like compete, you need to do those movements like RX. And so her normal workouts may not be at the same intensity level. She may be modifying more for her normal like fitness. And then it's a little bit harder with the open when there's specific things that you need to do. And um, I don't know what kind of contracts and stuff that she has with CrossFit or other brands that she is a sponsored athlete for. But there is a certain level of fitness that she probably needs to maintain throughout her pregnancy to maintain her competitive aspect after birth. So yes, she is coning a lot, which is where the center of the abdomen, um, what happens for everyone during pregnancy is we all develop diastasis if you carry your pregnancy to term. Now, if you only carry your pregnancy to like the first or second trimester, you may not develop diastasis, but it's a normal adaptation to pregnancy where the abdominal muscles have to separate, the tissues have to thin in order to make space for your baby. Um, so we'll get folks that are like very concerned that they're coning, like what did they do wrong? Like it's normal. It's supposed to happen. Now, the more that we increase the pressure within our abdominal cavity in a way that we cannot maintain the like structure and the shape of our um, abdominal wall, the more damage that tissue is going to be. And so if you're exercising, you're seeing the center of the abdomen push out further than the rest of the abdominal wall, and it looks like a tent or it's pretty obvious when it when it's like really happening. So if you see her videos, you see that the center of the abdomen is like really pushing out a lot further than the sides. This could potentially be damaging that tissue more and then could potentially make it harder to heal postpartum. So if we're a general population person, I don't get paid to do sports, then like we want to minimize that coning as much as possible because the more that we cone, the more damage that tissue is going to be. The ways that we heal it postpartum is we increase the density of the tissue so that it can withstand pressure changes within the abdominal cavity. I would assume that her abdominal wall is probably pretty thick. Like <laughs> she's she's probably going to be fine postpartum, yeah. like with with increasing the strength of that abdominal wall. I don't really I don't personally care what she does. I think it's annoying when people are shaming her for like making an educated decision as an adult on what she wants to do with her body. And then also discounting the fact that she is like literally paid to be an athlete. And there's a certain level of fitness that she has to maintain. Now, if like Sally down the street is like coning with all her workouts and then she comes to my gym, I'm going to be like, Hey, maybe not. If Tia came to my gym, I might just be like, can I have your autograph? Is that, you mentioned something there about 
you know, maybe you didn't phrase it this exact way, but like things you can do, I suppose, prior to pregnancy or further down the line in pregnancy that might prevent and or help some of that stuff, strengthening your abdominal wall. Like, what does that look like? Um, So throughout pregnancy, we still want to maintain a strong abdominal wall that and strength is not tight and it's not like loose. It's a range of motion. So how how well can we support how our abdominal wall functions? Um, And so we still want to do core exercises throughout pregnancy. We don't necessarily want to do like crunches or things that are really focusing on like abdominal flexion, but we can do rotational movements and anti-rotation type movements to still strengthen that abdominal wall because that's going to help support baby's position. So if you have a very like um, pendulous belly or like the abdominal wall is very weak and the belly like really falls forward, it can affect how baby can position themselves. Um, if you have a doll wall that's too tight and like really pulling in a lot, it can also affect baby's position because they don't have the ability to move into a better position for themselves. And so we need an abdominal wall that can both stretch and lengthen and then also contract and support the uterus. And so during pregnancy, what we can do is we can incorporate those core exercises that are anti-focus movements, rotational focus movements, um, lots of like hip extension focus exercises are all going to help strengthen the core canister, the abdominal wall to help support baby's position. Um, lots of cross-body movements can help because the how the obliques and the rectus and the transverse abdominals are all working together to support the abdominal wall. A lot of it's like a diagonal type movements to help so, like cross the linea alba, which is that connective tissue down the center of the abdomen. And so when we do these like cross-body type movements, so like your hand crossing your body and pressing against the opposite knee, that can help kind of strengthen that diagonal chain um, across the front side of the core to help support diastasis, to help the tissues be a lot thicker and more dense, especially as we move into the postpartum period. And then lifting weights. So resistance training is going to make our bones denser, make our muscles stronger, make our tissues denser. Um, And so doing more than just body weight movements is going to be beneficial both during pregnancy and in postpartum as we're healing. So off of that, then what is, I suppose, what's one of the things that you see happen most frequently or one of the misconceptions that you see happen most frequently when folks come to you, what are they leaving out of their training most often due to misconceptions about things that they shouldn't do, or or maybe they haven't done prior to being pregnant? I think probably the one big thing that folks get really confused about is there's this like safe list of exercises and unsafe list of exercises. It's really more about like you as an individual and how you move your body. So a squat is not good or bad, but how you do it can be good or bad for you. There are like general exercises that may or may not may or may not be optimal for pregnancy. Um, So high impact exercises are usually not great for pregnancy. But I'm not going to tell a runner not to run. Like, they're just going to get mad at me and I get, like, a lot of hate rushing DMs <laughs> if I mention running is maybe not great for you. Um, so generally high-impact activities probably are not going to feel good for you in your body. Um, a lot of abdominal flexion movements usually are not super great anymore. Like, pull-ups or movements that are very core-intensive that can cause coning can be problematic. And so what we instead of, like, this yes or no list, we rather want to look at the symptoms that we may be experiencing with our movement. So if you're feeling a lot of discomfort in your pelvic girdle and your pelvic floor, the high impact movement probably isn't great for you. Like if you're experiencing a lot of coning, which I tend to see happen more with like overhead pressing movements because folks are arching in their backs a little bit more to get that weight overhead. I see it a lot with pull down movements. So like vertical pulling, so pull-ups, 
um, cable pull down movements because again they're arching to pull the weight towards their chest. Um, so a lot of upper body movements we see them where I don't see it as much with like rows and like bench press just because the horizontal pulls don't really cause you to arch as much. Um, so positioning is pretty big when it comes to whether or not you comb and then how you're coordinating your breathing is another thing that contributes towards that coning. Well, I'll ask kind of, I'll ask the flip side of what Drew just asked. Cause he kind of asked about like certain things to avoid or certain things they're missing. What are the things you recommend focusing on or things that like, I mean, some examples that come to mind, right? Everybody talks about like pelvic floor stuff. I imagine lower back pain is a, is a frequent thing that people are looking to address. What, what areas deserve special emphasis as somebody's either like preparing for pregnancy or recovering after delivery? Um, so prenatal exercises that I would definitely be incorporating into my fitness programming is one would be resistance training. So lifting weights, like bands, anything that's going to increase like your strength is going to be really helpful. Um, mostly because we have increased mass throughout pregnancy, even if you don't gain like weight, you're still going to weigh more because you have a baby, you have increased blood volume, you have a uterus like or a placenta, like there's just more mass that you have to move around. Um, there's a change in your center of gravity. So where our weight is shifting forward and up that causes a change in our postural tendencies and having a strong backside or a posterior chain is going to help us maintain a more neutral position to kind of alleviate a lot of that discomfort. Um, resistance training can also help strengthen the muscular connection across the pelvic girdle, which is going to help with that pelvic girdle pain, help with that low back pain. So as opposed to more stretching, strengthening exercises tend to be more beneficial for pelvic girdle pain because during pregnancy, we have increased movement within our joints. And when there's increased movement, that it causes that instability, which causes more of that pain. And so more stretching is not usually helpful. It's usually more strengthening. So biggest thing that I would incorporate in a prenatal program is going to be strength exercises. So lifting weights, squats, deadlifts, a lot of backside exercises, especially so glute hamstring back. Um, the other thing that you need to incorporate is also that like relaxation element for the pelvic floor. Um, I find a lot of hip shifted positions tend to be more beneficial when I'm thinking pelvic floor relaxation or preparation for birth. You'll probably at some point here, like do lots of Kegels, like every stoplight do a Kegel. A Kegel is a pelvic floor activation, which is like great. It's a part of the pelvic floor's range of motion, but the pelvic floor needs to not only tighten and contract, but also like lengthen and stretch and then be able to come to a resting position. So a lot of us live in very stressful, like nonstop life lifestyles. And then as women, we're commonly told to be as small as possible. So like suck everything in. Like I know when I was in high school, I was like, like, I think I clenched my core, like, all the time to be as small as possible. I, maybe dudes do it, too. I don't know. I'm doing Kegels right now as we're sitting there. <laughs> yeah, it's just. <laughs> um, and so we tend to have just very tight pelvic floors to begin with. And so when you tell somebody who already has limited range of motion and their pelvic floor to do more Kegels, it can be more problematic. So you experience more leaking, you experience more feelings of heaviness in the pelvic floor, like something's falling out of your body. Um, and then you might experience more like pelvic pain. And then and more importantly, when it comes to preparation for birth, your baby may have a harder time moving through your pelvic floor because it doesn't know how to release and allow baby to stretch it through. And so what we can do during pregnancy is ensure that we are not only contracting the pelvic floor, which is a part of how we stabilize, but also lengthening and releasing in the pelvic floor as well. And for a lot of us, that's really hard to do. So we can find more hip shifted positions that emphasize kind of an asymmetrical shift within the pelvic floor to help 
release certain quadrants of it. Um, and with that, we can emphasize a lot of internal rotation during pregnancy. Um, and this is a huge aspect of our prenatal fitness programs is the internal rotation aspect because during pregnancy postural tendencies are external rotation legs are are more open they're wider we are in a more extended position um, and that extended external rotated position is very common with athletes as well because that's a power position that's how we're going to squat weight up how we're going to throw weight over our head is this very extended excellent rotated position the problem is is the pelvis has different levels to it each level opens in a different way so the top of the pelvis is going to open more with that external rotation and extended position this is going to help baby enter into the pelvis but the problem is is when we open the top the bottom kind of closes and depending on how big your baby is and how much just kind of room that you have within your pelvis, this may be a non-issue. Like baby might still be able to navigate very easily through your pelvic or to, through your pelvis and the pelvic floor. Um, it becomes a problem when for the rest of us who don't have just giant pelvises and tiny babies, and when we have normal sized pelvises and normal sized babies, if we can't find internal rotation, we're not gonna be able to open the bottom half of the pelvis. Um, and that is commonly neglected in just fitness programs in general, like, and it's especially like neglected in prenatal fitness programs. Um, the majority of prenatal fitness programs that I see are just a bunch of pregnancy safe programs. So mm -hmm. they take a general population program and they just take out the sit-ups and the pull-ups and then they're like, they market it <laughs> that's, as this is for so pregnancy. True. And I'm like, here's right. some bands. <laughs> um, or it's like just do yoga and I, I love yoga I think it's beneficial to incorporate but so the internal rotation aspect is huge because one it helps to strengthen the glute musculature because the hip has multiple range of motions it doesn't just externally rotate it also needs to internally rotate and so when we internally rotate the femur on the pelvis we have more of a length to the glute which then is going to strengthen it more overall. So we're finding more range of motion in that glute, which is probably gonna help with that pelvic girdle pain, probably help with that low back pain. Um, and then it's also training you to know how to open the bottom half of your pelvis. And so when we see labor stalls where baby is just not moving down in the pelvis anymore, that may or may not lead to interventions and potentially a cesarean birth is usually due to the inability to find internal rotation to open the bottom half of that pelvis. And so incorporating movements within our prenatal fitness programs that ensure that you can open each level of your pelvis is going to be very beneficial as you prepare for birth. So things that I would include in a prenatal fitness program, strength exercises, because we weigh more and our posture changes and we need to be able to counter that shift in weight. I would incorporate exercises that are not only going to shorten and tighten the pelvic floor, but also learn how to release and relax it, and then incorporating internal rotation. So all our single leg movements, like step-ups, lunges, like single leg deadlifts, we can all focus on bringing the pelvis and kind of rotating it on the femur to find more of that internal rotation to not only strengthen glute more, which can probably combat a lot of prenatal discomforts, um, but also help us prepare for birth by ensuring that we can open all the pelvic globals, particularly the bottom half where we see more labor stalls. This one is kind of a quick follow-up. You, you mentioned at the very beginning, focusing on strength rather than stretching kind of stuff. And from, from my understanding, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, they're like, like relaxing progesterone kind of stuff. Like women naturally become like more flexible, more laxity in the joints during pregnancy what are the considerations around the, like, does that increase risk of certain injuries? Does that increase joint pain kind of stuff? Like what, what are the factors there that have to be accounted for? 
So there's just extra movement that's happening within the pelvic joints and with all the, within all the joints of our body. And like they, we want more movement within the pelvis because human babies have big heads. And so we want to be able to create more space within the pelvic girdle. And there's studies that look at like the diameter change of the pelvis for somebody who's pregnant versus somebody who's not. And it's significant compared to somebody who's pregnant. Um, but with all this extra movement, if we don't have the muscles that are helping to stabilize across these joints, we're going to experience more discomfort and pain. So high levels of relaxin don't mean pain, but high levels of relaxin without the musculature to support the joints could mean pain. And it likely, it usually does. And so we have clients that come to our gym that we train online that are saying, hey, I have all this pelvic girdle pain, and we incorporate more strengthening exercises, they find that they find a lot more relief compared to more hamstring stretches or more pigeon poses or more glute stretches because there's too much movement. Adding more movement doesn't help. We need to think about strengthening the muscles across those joints. Do you, okay, so you touched on strength, and I know you had mentioned that kind of the higher intensity impact type stuff, running as an example, is not necessarily a no-no, but can cause issues. So from a cardio standpoint, I guess two questions here, modalities that you find are really effective, but then also considerations from like a physiological standpoint. I know we talk a lot about it, like zone training and heart rate and that kind of thing. So how do those, how do those two components factor into the conversation? So cardio is still very beneficial throughout pregnancy. Like if you do at least like an hour of cardio or aerobic activity during the week, you really decrease a lot of the, the potential occurrence of prenatal complications like preeclampsia, hypertension. It decreases your risk of gestational diabetes. Um, it doesn't completely take it away, but aerobic activity is really beneficial to combating a lot of those complications that could develop in the later half of pregnancy. Um, so the general recommendations that I give to somebody when they're trying to understand what intensity they should do with their workouts, because they might have read something that said, I need to keep my heart rate below a certain point, but heart rate can be very different from person to person. And so rather focusing on like your intensity or your effort, perceived effort levels. For the first and second trimester, it's anywhere from like a 60 to an 80% effort level. If they're doing cardio, it's going to be short sentences before they get winded. So I could speak a short sentence and then I'm like kind of losing my breath. So the moderate intensity, like effort level is, is still a high effort level. Like it's, it's still tiring. Um, as we make it to third trimester, that just decreases to about like 50 to 70%. Um, so we're kind of bringing it down just a little bit based on fatigue levels. Um, during pregnancy though, a big aspect of it that can help you prepare for birth is kind of honoring what you need each day and it varies from day to day pregnancy is it's kind of all it can be all over the place like one day you could have tons of energy and the next you're like i need to nap for eight hours um so kind of honoring whatever you need each day is going to be very beneficial as you prepare for birth so for example i go to the gym and i'm like i'm gonna lift this much this many reps all this stuff this is my huge plan and I'm like really fatigued or I'm experiencing pain with a movement. And so in one one step, I can just keep doing what I'm doing and just like suffer through it and like crush my workout and feel like shit later. Or I can honor that my body needs something different today and kind of scale and scale back. And so a part of this is kind of letting go of the ego, um, letting go of like, this is what I wanted, but this is actually what I need. Um, one can probably make you a better athlete in the end and help you postpartum recovery, but it's going to help you prepare for birth because in birth, while we may have a plan and expectation of how things may go, we don't always 
get what we want. Or it could be even as simple as contractions are a little bit harder than we had anticipated or labor is lasting a lot longer than what we had hoped for. Um, and so by kind of letting go of the ego throughout our prenatal workouts, it helps us let go of the ego during labor and just kind of surrender to the experience. Um, so during pregnancy, decreasing intensity, probably anywhere from like 50 to 80%, depending on the trimester. And then more importantly, how you're feeling each day is pretty beneficial. Um, you can still work hard, but you don't have to, you don't have to kill yourself. You should feel like you got more left in the tank. This is going to be beneficial, not only to ensuring that you can still move with optimal form. So we are decreasing the risk of injury, which can be increased during pregnancy because of that relaxant. If we're over fatiguing ourselves, we start compensating. And then those compensations are going to lead to more discomforts and like issues for us, um, throughout our pregnancies and potentially make it a little bit harder to heal postpartum. So as you're talking about that, I started thinking about I don't want to call it the mental health side of things, but maybe the cognitive performance side of things. And specifically what comes to mind is, is probably more first time moms who might have a competitive background, super athletic. Is that a conversation you find yourself having often just sort of the expectation management component and, and maybe women that keep trying to achieve, you know, some previous standard that they might've set for themselves and, and can't really come to grips with the fact that that might be changing. Um, so for me, when I was going through my first pregnancy, like I was active duty army officer, I was very competitive athletically, um, like was running on like the Fort Bragg 10 miler team, like fitness was definitely how I defined myself in addition to being like an army officer. And so having to let go of the weights that I was doing and the runs that I was doing was like pretty challenging. And I think it's challenging for a lot of folks that kind of associate their identity with their sport at the end of the day like it doesn't really matter how much weight's on your bar how fast you run or wherever you go like motherhood's it's whole is a whole new journey and it's the coolest journey ever and so it like it just means so much more to to be okay with like not performing like literally no one's going to care. Like if you just lift a little bit of weight, people are going to applaud you and be like, you are amazing. Such a great example <laughs> of pregnant people out there. Um, like you don't have to PR for people to be impressed if that's a concern <laughs> by any means, just, just exercising in general is impressive for most folks. Um, but kind of letting go of the identity and being okay with there being less weight on the bar or your runs being like easier or shorter, like it's going to be pretty beneficial because birth is unexpected postpartum is unexpected um and motherhood just means so much more than how much weight you lift the um the other thing that i usually hear from like my athletes is um, a lot of folks want to have an unmedicated birth they want to give birth without an epidural it's this this new challenge for them mm-hmm. um, but you can't like force or fight your way through birth like it's just it's just not gonna work um and so and i thought this for myself for my first birth too was like if i'm strong enough i can do it but there's a huge mental aspect to having an unmedicated birth um and there's also nothing wrong with getting an epidural too but it is like a new challenge that i find a lot of folks especially if they come from an athletic background are wanting to achieve like this is like the ultimate it's paleo challenge of being a woman is giving birth and but you can't you can't fight or force your way through it you can't just like like lift as much weight as possible through your labor um there is a huge aspect of like letting go of the ego and that's that's how like we can use our workouts during pregnancy to prepare for birth is 
letting go of our expectations, letting go of that ego, like lifting a little bit less weight, like not running quite as far or maybe walking instead of completely modifying everything that we're doing based on what we need in that moment so that we can surrender to the experience of labor because you do want to be strong going into birth like you do want to have physical conditioning when you go in because the longer you can maintain an upright position the more pressure that baby applies to the cervix and the faster labor progress will be so working out during pregnancy is associated with faster labor times decreased like complications better birth outcomes so there there are tons of benefits to being strong going into your labor but you also need to know how to let go and surrender to the experience as well if the goal is an unmedicated birth that's pretty interesting i I had never even really thought of that that you might have you know if you're fitter you have faster labor i guess so okay i I have a follow-on and this might be more of a niche question but we talked about kind of first-time moms and more athletic types but do you also or have you come across maybe second or third you know multiple time mothers who may have just kind of suffered through pregnancy in the past avoided training because they had heard all these kind of myths around it and you now have to not convince, but maybe there's a conversation around, Hey, maybe it doesn't have to be the way that you think it needs to, because there's this other option that might include health, fitness, nutrition, et cetera. Um, so I usually get a lot of folks who like, when it comes to like the second or third time moms, usually they're coming to me because they didn't have a good first pregnancy or good first birth experience. And they, have researched them more and they realize that there's something better out there for them. Like I was in pain my whole last pregnancy. Obviously whatever I did last time wasn't working. And that's where we start incorporating the strength training. But if someone's not familiar with lifting or they are like very afraid of lifting during pregnancy, because there are a lot of myths associated with like, if you lift heavy weights, you'll miscarry. If you lift heavy weights, your placenta is going to abrupt. And there's a lot of research that supports that that is not true. Like like if you push your weight overhead, your baby's going to get entangled in the, some umbilical cord, like just crazy stuff. And I'm like, <laughs> no, like, so we spent a lot of time with our Instagram platform, like demythifying like yeah. things. And I'm like, that's not a thing. Like there's research that supports that that's not true. What is the craziest myth you've had to de- demythify? I feel like Mike Tyson when I ask it that way, demystify. I don't know. I don't even know if that's a real word. It might not be, uh, but it totally <laughs> makes sense. <laughs> Like take the myth away. I don't know. Um, I think the one where it's like putting weight overhead will cause your baby to like get entangled in its umbilical cord. So a lot of folks are really anxious about like having the umbilical cord wrap around baby's neck and they're like, oh my God, it's going to suffocate my baby. Your baby does not breathe through its throat. So like a a tight cord around its neck is fine. Um, Depending on how many times it's wrapped, it could make it harder for baby to like vacate the premise um, because the cord is just peeping them in. But um, the umbilical cord is also very thick and it has like this jelly around it that keeps it from clamping down on itself so like baby being wrapped up in its cord is usually a non-issue in in most situations um also like putting your hands over your head would not cause that i don't know how that like general movement would even like result in that well i mean tia tia is upside down doing handstand push-ups so to be clear i got like before we recorded this episode i solicited questions from the audience and like more than one, like a few people asked, like, is it okay for pregnant women to lift period? So there's like enough confusion out there yeah. on like even the basic stuff that I'm not that shy. Well, I mean, I will, so just, I will offer the the father perspective because I remember going through, I mean, I don't want to say I went through pregnancy, but like being, there are so many 
terrifying like people will terrify you that you're gonna do like oh my goodness if you do xyz like this is what's gonna happen it's a terrifying landscape so i can imagine the types of things that you deal with demystifying that has to be insane i mean if you just look through like anyone that posts like a like just look through tia's crossfit posts and like the comments of it when she's pregnant like you got things anywhere from like your baby's gonna come out with six-pack abs and then on the other side is like you're killing your child and so it's like pretty extreme with like people's opinions on the safety of exercising throughout your pregnancy and lifting and resistance training is a newer thing that has become accepted like there's lots of research on it ACOG, which is like the governing body of obstetrics, which is kind of like their opinion on things is like the, the, the Bible or whatever religious book you honor. Um, and so their, their new guidance in 2020 finally said, Hey, lifting weights is okay. <laughs> um, and it, I mean, that was only three years ago. So there's definitely a lot of fear associated with lifting through like during your pregnancy. Um, but folks usually know that exercising in some capacity is helpful and beneficial for their pregnancies. And so we'll get like brand new, like never lifted away in their lives, show up in our gym and be like, hey, I was told that exercising is good for me and for my baby, um, but I don't know what to do. And so, like, you don't have to start with barbell hip thrusts and deadlifts and cleans and snatches. Like, we can start with body weight movements that are just kind of teaching that range of motion, that, like, movement pattern. It can just be very intimidating to start. And I know for me, just as, like, a female, like, I didn't start lifting weights until I was in the Army and somebody kind of introduced me to CrossFit. Like, I tried to, like, lift when I was in, like, ROTC and, and like, college with the other like guys on my like battalion was like, just do this. And I'm like, I don't know what that is. Um, so it was, it was probably like humorous to like watch me wander around the gym, like try to figure out like what I was supposed to do. And so CrossFit was how I started learning to even lift weights. And I think that's probably how a lot of folks who didn't grow up learning how to lift probably figure out like this is what a barbell is and it's not scary. But um, a lot of folks haven't done that, especially during pregnancy. So. Well, I don't want to go postpartum yet, but I do want to ask, you know, as, as like two guys here, like what can during pregnancy and, and maybe even after pregnancy too, I mean, we can go down that, that rabbit hole as well, but like, what are some things that, that men can do to be supportive, encouraging, et cetera? I realize that's like the million dollar question. Um, but just from from your perspective, <laughs> shut up and listen. So my husband has now supported three labors our pregnancies <laughs> and uh, labor support is very fatiguing it's very hard to be a birth partner um and so like i joke whenever i teach childbirth ed classes because i got it's always like i mean we teach our classes here by fort bragg so like it's all like military men and then their wives who may or may not be also like in the military and so they're all like just give me like eight things to do and i will do those eight things and i will do them perfectly <laughs> and like that's all they, they just want a checklist like give me this yeah, checklist yeah. and we'll do those things um and i tell them like look labor support is hard do your chest exercises strengthen your triceps and your back like those if you do those three exercises for the rest <laughs> of like the pregnancy like birth support will be easier for you um and everyone always laughs and i'm like no i'm serious like so as the birth partner, like, you have to work out too because labor support is tiring. Yeah. You need to be strong to support your partner. 
So that would be my number one tip. Um, the other thing that I would say can be beneficial for a partner during pregnancy, particularly the one who is not pregnant, is like taking a vested interest in their pregnancy and like doing research, like taking the classes, reading the books and the articles that your partner is sharing with you, doing your own research on stuff can be really beneficial too. Like be like it's not happening to your body, but it's still a shared experience and it can be very lonely as the person that is pregnant like with my back pain and with this awkward pain that I'm feeling. And so um, just being like invested in learning on the options that are available. So like my husband was the one that actually brought up the, like we should get a doula for our first labor. Um, and I was like, what is a doula? And it was something that he heard about at work and everyone raved about how helpful like a doula is. And, um, and so we hired a doula for our first labor. Um, and then for our next labors, like, we did home births. And so it was, um, we had very different experiences with our births and he was very active um, throughout the pregnancies, attending as many ap appointments as he could. Like he was deployed, I think for all of them. Um, and so, yeah, need to be physically strong as a birth partner. And then just like being involved in the preparation and like doing more than like researching yourself can be really helpful too. Yeah, guys pay attention. This is less of a question, more of just a riff on that one. Um, one, like shout out to your guys' content. You pretty regularly include stuff about like partner-assisted exercise, partner-assisted stuff, not just labor-related, but in general. And I just, it's kind of seared into my brain because I tried it a couple of times just to gauge it. And when I was teaching fitness stuff, I was definitely not teaching pregnancy-specific stuff. I don't know anything about it, frankly. But I would try and like reinforce to people that just because you know a little bit about exercise doesn't mean you know about exercise for pregnant and postpartum women. Like you, you have to go learn a little bit extra if you want to get involved in that. And I know just asking a room full of guys to like say words like incontinence or prolapse or things like that would start all the giggles going, even with like guys who were fathers in the room. And so I think. Like that's just me kind of trying to underline what you said about like, get involved, learn a little bit, do some of your homework, even if you're not the one carrying the baby around, because this is stuff that people should be able to talk about and address, especially with their partner. It was definitely something that I, when I reflect back on my time, when I was in the army before I had children, I, I felt like pregnancy was very dismissed as this like very transformative experience for somebody like the the magic of it was like, like not appreciated. Um, and so even for me as a female in the army, I was like, oh, like she's pregnant. Like, I don't even know what that means. Like, I mean, I know that means she's pregnant, but like, <laughs> like just do less. Stay away. Like, or it was like inconvenient in a way. And then postpartum, like I had no concept of like what someone should be doing postpartum. Like it was like, well, you're six weeks. Like what, like, why are you not just doing all the same stuff? And so the appreciation for not only the physical changes that happen during pregnancy and postpartum and kind of just like emotionally life-changing it is, was like very dismissed by just everyone around me, people that were parents. Like I, like after I went through pregnancy and after we had our first child, I was like, how are all of these like male superiors to me who had children, like not understand how big of a deal this was and like how much it like affects your body and like how hard it is to like emotionally recover and so when i hit six weeks postpartum um at that time the army had shifted to 12 weeks maternity leave and so when i hit six weeks i was like i don't know how anybody 
went back to work at six weeks and like left their baby somewhere and then went running. <laughs> oh my God. Like my pelvic floor was like falling out of my body still at like six weeks. Um, and even now after like everything that I know about perinatal fitness, like I'm still not running until 12 weeks postpartum. Like, and even that's like 30 seconds and then I'm like walking and then I do another 30 seconds. And, and that was like after like eight weeks of build up and rebuilding. And even now I'm like making it to the point now where I can push myself a lot more with workouts. So I'm five months postpartum right now. And I'm like now at a point where I feel like, okay, I can go for a run and I can do a lot of the stuff that I did before. I just need to rebuild my strength now to get back to the weights that I was doing before. But that was like, I started working out again at four weeks postpartum. And I mean, it was like kneeling squats with clamshells and a step up or like very, very small stuff and building that up over time. And so it was very shocking to me having gone through being in the military for seven years and then experiencing birth and pregnancy and postpartum and feeling that nobody really appreciated how powerful that experience was. And it was super dismissed. Um, and the, the stuff that like people's wives or themselves were even going through were just kind of like ignored. Um, and I, I feel like that's a big disservice to a lot of our soldiers that are pregnant, that are giving birth, that are having small children. So you've, you kind of already touched on it. I did get a couple of questions from people who were wondering, like, as a commander or as a leader who's responsible for soldiers that are pregnant and postpartum, what should those people know? Or like, what should they seek out to go learn? And and part of it's what you just said, just a general like appreciation and recognition. But for for their sake and like the level of information they need, what should they be prepared for? So pregnancy is sometimes either looked as like really inconvenient for everybody or like a disability in a way. And you can still do a lot while you're pregnant. Like now, should we be like going for like a 10 mile ruck with like no water? No, we shouldn't be doing that. <laughs> um, but like you can still perform during your pregnancy and like like if if you guys watch any of the videos from my pregnancy when I was working out, I was still lifting weights. I was still moving my body pretty regularly, like with modifications, like depending on how I was feeling. So if someone's in charge of a pregnant person, like they can still exercise. They don't have to just go walks, go for walks. So when I was I was at Stewart when I was um pregnant and the the pregnancy program there would just go for a walk. Like that was all. And then they do like prenatal yoga. And I was like, absolutely not. I will not be no thank you. I will not be participating in that. And so there's this kind of belief of like, oh, you're pregnant. So like you're useless to me for nine months. And I'm like, well, my brain still works. <laughs> <laughs> I can still like physically, like mentally accomplish the majority of my tasks, which for the most of us is not physical. And even the physical aspect, like you can still work out throughout your pregnancy. You don't have to be passive for nine months. Like absolutely, like still train your soldiers physically throughout their pregnancies. Like modify as needed. Like and most folks don't even need modifications until they're in like their second trimester. Um, and then at that point, just don't jump as much. Don't do things that cause coning. Like don't do things that hurt. <laughs> like it would be my main, my main things. Like, like check in with someone. How are they feeling? Like, are they more fatigued today? If so, Hey, maybe we just do a walk today. Or if they're feeling more energized, Hey, let's get on like a low impact, like cardio machine, like the assault bike or the elliptical or whatever, and do some like intervals on it. Like you can still work hard throughout your pregnancy. And then when we get into the postpartum period, like 
people are leaving little babies at home and that's really hard to do as like as a mother um and then they're having to if they're choosing to breastfeed they need time to pump and to get the milk that they need and so accommodating for that understanding that it's really important to a lot of women to be able to breastfeed and to feel supported in that so telling them to pump in a bathroom is not appropriate have a space that's available to them that is like welcoming for them to do that like and there's opportunities for people to just do it like at their desk like you don't have to go and like hide somewhere as you do it um so like kind of changing the i mean it's hard to change the culture and the environment but just sometimes just telling somebody hey it's okay like we're not we're not going to stare at your boobs as you pump like just do your thing like and they even have like pumps you could just put in a bra that have no cords on them that are really nice but um supporting somebody in whatever feeding journey that they're wanting and then acknowledging that it's probably really hard for them to leave their babies at home and so like i think this is just important in general like if you want to keep people working for you like you need to give them a good working environment and if the working environment is garbage they're going to want to leave the military so they can go stay home with their babies so it has to be like a, a good working environment which i think is just good in general because that's, that's like i think yeah. retention is always a problem you mentioned breastfeeding and I'm going to sound like an idiot here when I say this, but I, I'm aware of how that to an extent of how that can change your body. Does that change? I guess, is there a different approach to fitness for moms that choose to breastfeed versus moms that don't when it comes time to like sort of return back to where you were pre pre-pregnancy? So there is some changes in like the hormones that are being transmitted or sent out when you're breastfeeding to accomplish lactation or lactating and so for some folks they say that they don't feel like totally healed until after they wean or they stop nursing um but i think for most folks anywhere from like six to 12 months they feel like quote unquote like normal again um because the hormones from breastfeeding kind of regulate at that point um they're no longer like really all over the place and so if somebody chooses to formula feed from the beginning their hormone levels are going to be different than somebody who chose to breastfeed from the beginning um, but it is going to regulate by like six to 12 months um, so that is something to consider for somebody that may be having a hard time, like meeting height weight, um, somebody that may be having a, like just feeling off physically, it could be due to breastfeeding, but in most situations, I find that it, it's not super like influential, um, for like most athletes. Um, and then just making sure that people are eating enough and hydrating enough is what's going to support that milk supply though. Like you have to take the milk out to then like make more. Um, so if people are not taking out enough milk, they're not pumping enough during the day, they're not feeding their baby enough during the day, they're going to see issues with their milk supply, which can be stressful too. And then anxiety like makes it harder to make more milk because everything's very connected. It's just a kind of one-off question that I got. Uh, I guess two people asked about it though. So there's a little bit of a trend um, managing morning sickness. And I know like one of them noted that their morning sickness experience was not limited to the morning specifically. Obviously in the army, we tend to do our exercise in the morning. Is there, is there anything you've stumbled upon any like, knowledge you have to share for people who struggle with that or how to manage that if they do have to train in the morning or is there, is it just better to try and find alternate times? I don't know what the answer is. So I think it depends on more on like trying to manage the morning sickness. And sometimes there's nothing that you could do. You're just going to suffer during it until it ends. Um, and some folks like have it throughout their whole pregnancies, which is like super sad. Um, so like you can do things like making sure they eat something before you go work out, like just a small snack. Sometimes that helps. Like 
I found drinking like water with like and squeezing a lemon in it. So like citrusy type liquids helped me. Um, they have all sorts of different hydration salts that you can take now to help with some of that morning sickness as well. So like liquid IV elements, like, I mean, there's so many different brands out there. Just finding the one that you like the flavor can be really helpful. Um, so just doing whatever you can to manage the morning sickness. And then more so for me when it comes to workouts is if the morning sickness is preventing you from eating you don't need to be working out like you need to just go for like you need to take a nap that's what you need to do like um because the the benefits at that point when you're starving is not going to be super beneficial and we're probably going to cause more issues than help if you're super low on energy like going for a walk instead and it, it's tough when you're in the military because you have this dedicated time that you have to like show up and like do the things that you need to do um, unless you have like a pretty lenient job where it's like, do do, do what you do you like on your own where you can just kind of nap or you can eat. Uh, for me during my past three pregnancies, my first trimesters were like super hit or miss if I even accomplished workouts because I was nauseous or super fatigued and I prioritized resting and like trying to eat whatever I could figure out would like work best for me. Um, and so my workouts are pretty limited during that first trimester. And then second trimester, I felt a lot of relief, had way more energy and like went and crushed it. Um, so just kind of acknowledging like it's okay and some folks just need the permission to not. Um, so if you need the permission to not work out, this is me giving it to you. Like it's okay <laughs> to take the first trimester off. It's not going to derail your whole pregnancy. You can resume workouts um, when you feel better. Um, it's not going to destroy your birth experience. Like it's it's okay to to honor what your body's needing. And if it's resting more or doing like gentle cardio or gentle yoga or things that are a lot more on like the passive side, then do that. Yeah, that makes sense. Do you, uh, I mean, slightly different direction here, but pelvic floor physical therapy seems like, I don't want to say the new hotness, but it's definitely a thing that is part of the conversation. Is that, should that be like a standard practice? Should that be something that, that new moms just get kind of prescribed? Look, what are your thoughts? Um, I think it's beneficial. It, similar to like every other profession, there are really good practitioners within it and then there are also like garbage ones but i mean that's that's across the board like mm -hmm. just because someone is a pellet for pt does not mean that they are like all that is god uh um like there are some out there that that don't progress their pro their programs for people um so i definitely am a supporter of pellet for physical therapy i think it's beneficial you can do it during pregnancy you can do it during postpartum so if you're having any sort of pelvic floor related issues which for a lot of us, the pelvic floor support, I mean, for all of us, the pelvic floor support is our, the base of our core canister. So it supports our stabilization system. And so if there's something off with our foundation, other parts of our body may experience issues. So like you may have shoulder pain, like you might have knee pain, or you might have pain in places besides just your pelvic floor. If you're having issues with like constipation, like feeling like you're not emptying all the way when you pee or like like lots of bladder urgency feeling like you have to pee constantly or leaking or really anything related to like vacating things from your body those are going to be pelvic floor type issues like low back pain like pelvic pain especially pain with like penetration can all be related to are all related to the pelvic floor and so those are all things that i would say like you should go see a pelvic floor physical therapist uh, during pregnancy they may not do like internal exams but there's lots of ways to assess how your body is moving and how your pelvic floor is functioning externally with other types of movements. Um, postpartum, they may do an internal exam just to see where's restrictions within the pelvic floor. Like, how do you move your pelvic floor? Like, are you able to effectively contract and lengthen your pelvic floor? Um, so you, it gives you just more tools to learn about your body, which is pretty interesting. But it has to progress beyond 
supine passive exercises and movements. So like if all you do when you show up to pelvic floor physical therapy is they shove their fingers in you and they say like cough or squeeze um, and then they like attach dry needling to you, like you need to, you need to find a new PT. Like that's not going to help you progress to what it is that you need to do. So if you're having pain, like when you run or you're having like leaking when you run and you never do anything that works you back towards running during PT, like it's not going to help you. Like you're still going to leak when you run. So they should be assessing you in different positions. They should be advancing your movements beyond supine positions. Like you should be moving to more upright positions. You should be moving to more impact type positions um, and assessing how your body is moving. We also have a lot of asymmetries within our body. So like it's not, not everything is just like front to back, side to side. There's also a rotational torque that can happen within our pelvis, within our pelvic floor. And so if your PT is not assessing for those asymmetries, and helping you understand how is your body twisted and like naturally rotated, um, then we're probably not going to see a lot of progress with our PT as well. So making sure that your PT is progressing things for you. So if you've been seeing them for like 10 visits and you're still not seeing any results and all they do is dry needle you, you need to go find a new PT. Um, so again, they're not all made the same, but there are a lot of really great ones out there. Um, and I have lots of recommendations for four bracts. <laughs> Has it become, and again, this is me as an outsider, never having obviously given birth, but like, I don't want to say that it's the same as what we see with like chiropractic, but has the pelvic floor physical therapy thing become a little bit more of a catch-all? Maybe not more of a catch-all, but has it become a catch-all for a lot of women maybe thinking that, oh, I, I can never do this thing again that I loved to do because pelvic floor situation because i've heard that happen in some cases where women just assume that oh i'll never run again you know because my pelvic floor is that have you encountered some of that i've definitely heard folks say things like that or um maybe not like directly to me but i'll like see it in like social media posts or like really viral reels where it's like oh like why do you cross your legs when you sneeze and it's like because of you and it's like the kelly clarkson song um and so <laughs> There's an aspect of like what is normal versus what is common. And it's hard when you're doing things that you find embarrassing. Like, I, like I would be embarrassed if every time I laughed, I peed myself. Like that, like every time I laughed, I farted or like a little bit of poop came out. Like those are all things that are associated with incontinence. And to like have this like problem and like, um, I don't know if, like what if your partners like were like this when you first started dating, like I was not going to fart in front of my boyfriend, like <laughs> absolutely not. And so like if you have these things that are causing these issues that we associate with being like embarrassing or shameful, like you're either going to make a joke out about it or just pretend it doesn't happen. Like you're not going to seek out help to like recover from it. And then when everyone around you tells you like, this is just normal, this is what happens after you have a baby. And like your mother or your grandmother says like, yeah, I just leak. And that's just what happens after you have a baby. Like you don't know that there is help out there for you that you don't have to have that. And so like, you don't have to have pain every time that you have sex, like after you have a baby, because your pelvic floor is too tight. Like you can see a pelvic floor physical therapist to find relief. Um, and so I think part of it is um, not that like pellet for PT is like the latest fad. Like, I think it's a very beneficial resource that's available to folks. Like, I think chiropractic care is a beneficial resource that's available to folks. Um, but it's only like one piece of this overall support puzzle that people may need um, when they're postpartum. And so for some of it, it may be someone's partner saying, hey, like, 
And, and like I've actually had this happen where like we'll be at an event and someone's husband will be like, look, my wife has been complaining about pelvic pain for like six months and she won't come see you guys or she won't like seek out the help that she needs. Like, can you tell her to do it? And I'll be like, hey, here's a business card. Call this PT. Like, stop being ridiculous. Um, and so sometimes as partners, it can be really beneficial for you to acknowledge, hey, like you're complaining about this pain constantly. Like, here's some resources that I think could help you. Like. Um, I'm going to support you in feeling like yourself again. Like if running is really important to you, like, let me help you get back to running. Like, let me make it so that you can work out wearing other colors besides black because you're leaking mm -hmm. or, um, and so encouraging your partner to seek out the help that's available to them can be really beneficial. And then if their PT is not helping them, then find a new PT. <laughs> There's so many out there. Um, it's not just a, well, this is the, like, if you're, if you have like TRICARE Select, it's obviously really easy to find somebody. Um, Prime is a little bit harder because you have to get referrals and stuff. But there are even cash-based PTs out there where you can just pay out of pocket to see them and get the relief that you need, depending on how valuable um, it is for you. So that was, that was like a really broad question that opened up a lot of cool avenues to go. We're, we're getting close to a closer and I have to ask one really like narrow specific question that came up. <laughs> I don't know how much you paid attention to it because you're not in the military anymore, but there was tons of debate with the rollout of the new PT test. And, and one in particular that got a lot of people riled up. Um, some of them women was the, the leg tuck, which is now no longer part of the test RIP. But one of the comments on it was like this being like a risky or inappropriate exercise for postpartum women being like first off like overhead extension with like hanging from a pull-up bar and then the abdominal flexion involved does something like that stand out to you as a particularly problematic exercise or does that just fit into the broader like progression return to performance kind of stuff just like everything else i mean i think it's it's definitely a more advanced movement that requires a lot more than like the conventional setup did. But even this setup could have been problematic for somebody who had a C-section or somebody who's still recovering in their abdominal wall. Because I know I've had friends that have had C-sections that have said sit-ups are really challenging for me to do because my core does not work anymore. Um, and there's a lot that we can do for somebody who's had a cesarean birth to help them reconnect with their core. Um, so the hang tuck was definitely something that I saw a lot of folks getting like really worked up about because of how like a, how much of a core challenge that that movement was. And I mean, it included all the things that typically cause a lot of issues during pregnancy with managing pressure within the abdominal cavity. So you're hanging from something and then you're bringing your knees to your chest or your elbows or I, I don't know the exact like parameters of the movement to like score a point. Alex has them all memorized. But it definitely was a very... It was definitely a very challenging movement for somebody to do. I don't think it's impossible for somebody to get back to, but similar to running or really any of the other like exercises, like there has to be a workup for it. And the problem is, is when you don't have a program established to keep folks strong throughout their pregnancies that are going to help them maintain their combat readiness throughout their pregnancies, not that should that not the people should deploy if they're pregnant or anything, but like if they're maintaining their strength throughout pregnancy, it's going to be easier for them to recover postpartum. They're probably going to have easier levers with less complications as well, which then also makes it easier to recover postpartum. But then you just kind of are like, okay, well, you're off maternity leave, go for a run. Good luck. Like if you don't have an established program to help somebody make it back to these movements, that's where we're going to have problems. And there is no program. 
Like there was no program to help somebody get back to hanging knee tucks. It was just good luck. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so, yeah, like I could see that being a problem. Like there's not even a progression to get back to running for postpartum women, like within the army. And so you're, you're, you're viewing someone to just have a disability throughout the nine months that they're pregnant and just kind of like go for walks, do yoga, like you're an inconvenience to us throughout their pregnancy. At least it was how it was when I was in the army. I hope it's different now, but probably not. Um, so like just exist for your pregnancy, do nothing to maintain any sort of level of strength and then go into your labor at your military hospital. Like most of them are residents, which are great. They, like teaching hospitals could be a really great place to give birth. Um, but there's a high, high turnover rate too, which, you know, has its own things. Um, and then you're in a military hospital, which everyone has their opinions on those kinds of things. I think Walmack is great, but and then you have somebody who gives birth and now they're postpartum after having done garbage throughout their whole pregnancies. And then you tell them, okay, you got your 12 weeks. We're going to give you no guidance on what to do. We probably won't even give you pellet for PT referral. And if we do, like, you're going to have to argue with your PCM to get that referral like I did. Um, so I gave birth and then I was like, hello, I would like to have pellet for PT. And they're like, why are you like peeing yourself? And I was like, no, but a fucking seven pound baby came out, out of my vagina. So I think that counts <laughs> as needing some rehab. Uh, <laughs> so like, there's just not a lot of support throughout this whole like year long process of creating your own human being, giving birth to them and then recovering postpartum. And then you're expecting someone to maintain a level of combat readiness and to like return to duty, like, like nothing happened. And that's, but giving them no tools to do so. I feel like everything is about like maintaining your, your combat strength, like, and all that. And you're not doing anything to do that with like this population of your force that has babies. Like, well, you've, you've, you may have answered this already but i'll ask it directly as as kind of again a a closer if you had if the army came to you tomorrow and said hey we like what you're doing at mama stay fit here you go whatever we need to do we'll do it what does that look like for you to revamp the military's kind of pregnancy postpartum program I already have all the tools. Um, so I have a 40-week prenatal fitness program. I got a 16-week postpartum fitness program that's focused on military folks that I wrote for myself. Um, I have a person I have a perinatal fitness trainer certification course for people that want to train those folks. Um, so like I have all the tools. I'll write the doctor and like I'll do it for free. Just like let me help you. <laughs> um, like there's there's things that we can do to help folks meet maintain their level of fitness throughout their pregnancies so that they can return to duty faster postpartum. Like, you know, we, I think, I think the time frame to do your ACFT is like a year now, or it was six months or something like that before you had to do a record. Like we can have folks recover within that six month time frame If we are like, if we actually give them a program, if we give them the tools to do so. Um, but if you don't, tell teach anybody how to do it like or you don't give someone like do this program and it's going to help you like be stronger and make it back to doing your job like especially for those that do have very like physically intensive jobs for the for the women that are in the combat arms branches like you know we got to give them something so that they can maintain like their readiness and they can maintain their competitiveness within their like year groups within their career fields um as opposed to letting pregnancy be this thing that derailed them for like a year 
I got the tools. Just, just <laughs> let me get Army, them to you. Army, if you're listening, we have the answer. <laughs> so to close it out then, you said you have all these tools. You've got all these resources. We've seen the awesome stuff that's on your social media and everything. For people who are interested in learning more, for people who want to find some of your stuff, how can they find you? How can they reach out? Where should they go to learn more? Um, so I would say the best place to learn more from us and to like connect with us will be our Instagram page. It's just uh, Mama Stay Fit, which is like Mama S T E F I T. Um, it's like a play on Namaste. Uh, <laughs> I got it from a T-shirt and I trademarked it. <laughs> Drew had a slight misinterpretation. I, I, I'll be honest. I thought it was Mama Stay Fit, like Stay Fit. As yeah, but it's like it kind of sounds like moms are staying fit. Yeah. See. So it's namaste means like the light in me sees the light in you. And so sure. mama stay means the mom in me sees the mom in you. And so like, it. there's a piece of us that's the same that we can recognize in each other and support each other during this journey. So Instagram is usually the, bless- the best place to connect with us. Um, we also have a website, which is mamastayfit.com, where we have all of our online courses. So we have childbirth education courses. We have professional courses. We have all our fitness programs for pregnancy and the postpartum period, depending on for postpartum, we have like tons of programs depending on your sport. So we have a general fitness, a running, we have a military program that we always have 20% off um, as a, as a, as a, to throw that out there <laughs> as a thank you to our, 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 um, military and first responders yeah we have a lot and then we and we're also located in aberdeen north carolina near fort bragg so if anybody's local you can always come work out with us at our gym and we also offer in-person childbirth education courses so lots of support awesome well we said this at the beginning obviously neither alex nor i are experts at this in any form or fashion so gina thank you very much for coming on and helping us walk through the uh, the conversation that is pregnancy and postpartum. This was fantastic, and I'm definitely. I mean, I don't know if you make them in men's sizes, but the hoodie that you're rocking, I want one of those. I we do have them in men's sizes. I like crammed my husband into some of them. We have like XLs and stuff. <laughs> Guys, get your Mama Stay Fit swag. MamaStayFit.com. Gina, thanks again. This was this was awesome. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Hey, Alex. Let's cover our ass real quick. Oh, great idea, Drew. All right, guys. The views and opinions expressed in this program are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of any entities they represent. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode. Before you go, please rate and review the pod on the listening platform of your choice. You can also visit us on our website at www.mopsinmos.com. That's mops, the letter in, mos.com. You can check out the library of podcast episodes our latest blog entries, any helpful resources, and also sign up for our newsletter. Drew nailed it. Just to underline a couple of things, the podcast entries have in-depth show notes on the website. So if you missed anything or you want to read any of the research we talk about, it is all there. You can, at the bottom of the website, sign up with your email and receive future updates from us. The blog posts go a little bit more in depth in kind of written form on a couple of topics we get questions about all the time. But most importantly, I just want to ask all you guys, our best way the word gets out is absolutely word of mouth. So tell your friends, tell the people you work with, anybody you think would find it useful. Thanks for spreading the word. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to shoot us an email at either Drew or Alex at mopsandmos.com. Or there's a contact form on the website. Thank you.